Hello, everyone. All right, all right, all right. Wow. Thank you. That's quite a satisfactory welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you. How's, how's everybody doing? That's good. Well, if I haven't met you before, my name is Singe. And hi, Sinjin. Hi, Sinjin. Uh, and there's a funny thing going on with the U78 boys where we all say hi, Sinjin, for no reason. So that's exciting. Hi, Sinjin. Um, so recently, I've taken up an exciting new sport. I decided that I have gone for 25 years without being able to ride a skateboard. So I decided that I was going to learn how to ride a skateboard. And it's going really well so far. All right? No, no, but really, really, I was out for, I was out probably about my third time. I actually, I go out really late at night. I go out at like 10 o'clock at night in my estate because I, like, I live in a really new estate. So there's this like a new bit where there's no houses yet and they've got street lights up, but none of them are on. So I feel like I can go over there and no one's going to see me sucking at being on my skateboard. So I go there at like 10 o'clock at night in the pitch black and that's where I've been trying to teach myself to skateboard so that no one could know and now I've ended up telling you all, so that's embarrassing. But anyway, the story of how I scored this sick injury, which was literally at about 10.30 two Sundays ago, like in the middle of the night... It was actually really bad. The next day I was going to a conference. And so like I did it at like 10.30 at night. At like 7 o'clock the next morning, I had to get up and put jeans on to go to the conference. It was like the worst day. It was so bad. But anyway, so here's my story. Does anybody want to know how I managed to hurt my knee like this while I was skateboarding? Does anyone want to know? It's a pretty amazing story. So what was happening was I was pulling a triple backflip on the... Uh, so I was, I was just trying to ride down the street and I went to, I like sort of pushed off again. I was getting pretty confident. I'd been out for about half an hour. I was feeling good. I was like, oh, I've got this all together. And I pushed off and then I put my other foot like back on the skateboard, but I like didn't put it back on right and it just slipped off and then I just stepped on the road instead. And then I was just like all over the place and I fell on my knee. So... What does this have to do with anything apart from embarrassing myself? I do like embarrassing myself. It's just funny, but... So, but here's, here's what I realized about this moment in skateboarding was, really, the time where it all went wrong for me was when I felt like I had everything under control. I'd been out for half an hour. I was starting to feel pretty good. I had it all sorted. I had it all sorted. It was all under control. But then suddenly... It wasn't under control anymore. <laughs> As we can see, all of a sudden, it was no good. Just in the split second, I went from like feeling pretty good about it and I'm really under control to all of a sudden, I wasn't. And you know, isn't this true of what happens to us as we go through life as well? You know, when everything seems under control, everything's cruising along how we like it, but then all of a sudden, it's just not fine anymore. Like it was fine and then all of a sudden, it's just not. Maybe that's like your story with school. Maybe you went along through school and you were happy. You were like the teacher's pet. All the teachers loved you. You handed in your homework on time. And then one year you had a coordinator or a teacher or a class that you just hated. And then all of a sudden, it just wasn't fine anymore. 
Or maybe that's your story with your family. You know, maybe you were cruising along, everything was good. You were like the Brady Bunch. You had dinner around the table every night. Like everything was amazing in your family. But then all of a sudden, one day, it wasn't fine anymore. Or maybe that's your story with God. Maybe you became a Christian and you cruised along and you did all the right things. You did what you were supposed to do. You read your Bible. You prayed. You went to youth group and you high-fived your youth leaders. And But then all of a sudden... Xbox was, was pretty good at the time, or maybe it was parties, maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was p- skateboards, um, maybe it was homework, maybe it was something to do with girls, or just something that was generally more fun. And so you were doing great with God, you were cruising along, everything was fine, but then all of a sudden, it wasn't fine anymore. You know, I know I have stories like that. In fact, I have all of those stories <laughs> They're actually all me. But you know, here's what I've learnt. Here's what I've learnt. I've learnt that just like when I'm on a skateboard, if I'm coasting along, it's because I'm going downhill. You can't coast along for very long if you're headed uphill. You can only, you coast, that comfortable just coasting, that only happens when you're headed downhill. If you're coasting... You're heading downhill. Now tonight was supposed to be about Daniel and the lion's den. But what happened was that I had like another sort of side story that was going to go alongside Daniel and the lion's den. And then as time went on, it became apparent that the second side story was in fact more important than the story about Daniel and the lion's den. So tonight isn't about Daniel and the lion's den anymore. And in fact, as more time went on with that story that was on the side, and it became the main story, as time went on with that as the main story, it didn't even become about that story. It became about one verse from the Bible, from the very start of the story. It is about a guy named Matthew. And this story actually is told in the, in the Bible three times. One time, it says it's about Matthew. And that's in the book of Matthew. Um, and then there's two other times where it's about somebody with a different name. And that's because the person in the story started out with one name, and then later on their name was changed to Matthew. Now, Levi, do you happen to know what Matthew's name was before it was Matthew? It was Levi, that is correct. Everyone give Levi a big clap. So if just a hot tip for you, Bible reading hot tip, we just like to throw them out there. If you're ever reading about Matthew the tax collector or Levi the tax collector, you're actually talking, reading about the same person. That's pretty fascinating to me. In Matthew 9, 9, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, that's a pretty straightforward verse, isn't it? It doesn't seem like there could be anything that interesting in there. But I have one big question. If Matthew was sitting in his tax collector's booth, and I'm about to tell you how much money tax collectors make, why? Why did he follow Jesus? It makes no freaking sense. Jesus walks past, he's like, hey, come with me. And Matthew's like, eh, stuff it, I'm going with Jesus. Like, what is up with that? It makes no sense. And so all of a sudden, I'm sitting here going, why does Matthew follow Jesus? For no good reason. It makes no sense. Jesus has only just started his ministry. He's cruising around. He sees him. He goes, Matthew, you should follow me. And Matthew gets up. And in one version of the story, it says he leaves everything 
and just follows Jesus. Just, oh yeah, I follow Jesus. What's up with that? This guy's a psycho. It makes no sense. What's up with that? Anyway, so why? So look, here's, I think I've, I've got a bit of a reason why. I think I've worked it out. So like I said before, Matthew is a tax collector and tax collectors were rich. If you didn't know how tax collectors made their money in these Roman times, I didn't actually know either, so that's why I found out. But so I found out, it's actually kind of interesting. What tax collectors did was they worked for the government, like they worked for the Romans, but you would think like a tax collector, they would collect the tax and then they would pass it on to the Romans. That would be the logical way of having a job like being a tax collector, wouldn't it? That is not how the Romans did it. What Matthew had to do was pay taxes to the Romans in advance of collecting them. So basically... If he thought he was going to collect taxes of $100 from someone, he would pay the Roman government $100 first, then he would have to go and find somebody to charge $100 to, to make his money back. That is a stupid system. And also, if you haven't noticed, if that was exactly what he did, he wouldn't actually make any money, would he? Like, he'd pay the Romans $100, he'd go find someone to get $100. He would never actually make any money. So herein lies the problem. Because the way tax collectors made money was that they inflated the taxes. They would go to the Romans and go, yeah, I'm going to charge this guy $100. Here's $100. And they would turn around to the guy. Now, there's no rules about how much you increase the taxes by. And he would just go to this guy, yeah, it's $1,000 in taxes, please. I'll have $1,000. And because he was paying taxes to the Romans, the Romans' guards and army would back him up. They'd be like, yeah, it's $1,000. You have to pay this guy. So there's no rules about how much they inflated the taxes by. So basically, there's a guy who pays the Roman government some money, and then he's probably sitting in a tax-collecting booth at like a dock. So somebody comes along in a ship, and they're like, Hi, I've got 100 bags of barley to sell, or whatever. I don't really know what they would have sold then. I've bought it from another country. What's the taxes on it? And Matthew would be like, oh, I don't know, $10,000. And they would have to pay the $10,000 or they would have to turn around and they would go back. And if they didn't want to pay it, then the Roman army would come and be like, you have to pay it. All right. So tax collectors, I'm sure you're starting to get the picture. Not very popular. Like we still don't like tax collectors and there's rules now. There weren't any rules back then. So tax collectors, not popular at all. Basically, this guy is a scumbag. He is ripping off his neighbours and his friends. He's making food and all the goods they want. He's making it all more expensive by charging ridiculous taxes. But he is rich. Like, if you've ever wanted to be rich and you thought about owning, like, a mansion and 20 Lamborghinis and 30 Ferraris and a unicorn or whatever, um, have you ever dreamed of being rich this guy is rich. He's sorry. He's got more money than he knows what to do with. He's got servants. He's got like a thousand cooks or whatever. He, you know, he's just cruising around. He's in like the Lamborghini of horse-drawn carts or something ridiculous. I don't know. I don't really know what he spent his money on, but he was really rich. He had servants. He had a big house, everything money could buy. And he had security. He had the might of the Roman Empire backing him up. Whatever he wanted to do, whatever he wanted to charge, the whole Roman army is right behind him saying, pay this guy. He's got everything, especially back then. Security was a big thing. So money, security, he should have everything. But you know what he realized? He realized he doesn't have any friends. The people he's charging the taxes to and making food expensive, they don't like him. His only friends are other scumbag tax collectors who are ripping everybody off. 
He doesn't really have much. He's got lots of money, but not much else, really. See, when he became a tax collector, when he was a kid, he went, I'm going to be a tax collector. It's going to be a government job. I'm going to be so secure. I'm going to have all the money I can think of. He thought everything was going to be okay. He's coasting along in life. And all of a sudden, he realizes that it's not all fine anymore. It's just not good like he thought it was going to be. And Matthew had dug this hole all by himself with his own ability, wanting to be a tax collector, pushing forwards with that, the skills he had. He only had himself to blame for this hole he found himself in. He's helpless, he's hopeless, and he has no way of restoring himself. So Jesus wanders by. And we can only assume there's some sort of prompting from God to Jesus to say, this scumbag tax collector is actually going to become one of the greatest disciples. He's going to write a book that people are reading 2,000 years later. He doesn't know this at the time. So we can only assume that Jesus hears this from God and says, hey, Jesus, I reckon you should call this guy Matthew to be one of your disciples. He's like, he's ready to come with you. He's in that spot where it kind of sucks and he's heard about you. Like he knows that you're around. He knows the sort of stuff you've been doing. I reckon if you said follow me, that he would probably come with you. And so Jesus turns around to Matthew and with no other promises, no saying that life is going to be easy, no saying that he's going to stay rich, he says, follow me. And Matthew leaves everything and follows Jesus in that one moment. So we're starting to get a bit of a clearer idea of why Matthew did what he did. But really, this guy's still insane. If you ask me, I mean... Really, you left everything in that moment? But here's the thing. It's two things. The reason Matthew did it is not just because Jesus came past, not just because his life sucked. Oh, he didn't like it. It didn't really suck. I wouldn't be upset if I had a little bit more money. But anyway, it sucked for other reasons. The thing that happens in the middle is that he hears about Jesus from other people. He's heard about what Jesus is doing. He knows what Jesus has been doing around the place. He knows the miracles Jesus has been doing. His heart's ready for the big call. And so the second part is the encounter with Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't the start of the journey for Matthew. Jesus is like the middle of the journey. Other people started it for Matthew. So like none of us are Jesus, obviously. I'm not. I don't know. There might be some people out there who think they are, but I'm not. And I I don't think any of you are either. But we can be part of the process of leading our friends towards an encounter with Jesus. We can be part of the process of readying their hearts when they actually do get to the encounter with Jesus. We don't have to be perfect like he was. Because we're not, we're not making the call. We're not saying, you know, hey, Josh, come follow me. That's not what we're on this earth to say. What we're on this earth to say is, hey, Josh, come follow Jesus as I'm on the journey of following him. Let's follow him together. We do that by starting to be, trying to be more like him so that others can hear and see what he's all about and be readied to meet him. And, you know, the awesome thing is when we we start doing this, we're going to start seeing crazy stuff happen around us. You'll start having friends asking you, why do you behave differently? What's going on? What's the story? They want to know what is different in your life. Because without even trying, without saying a word about Jesus, you can be readying their hearts for an encounter with him. 
And all you have to be able to say is, all you're encouraging them to do is follow Jesus as I'm following him. Like I said, I'm just like you. I'm not getting it right. I lay awake at night and think about all the things that make me not good enough. But there's something really cool about this story. Not only does Jesus say to Matthew, come follow me, and Matthew does, but Jesus says it to Matthew while he's still a tax collector. He doesn't say, hey, Matthew, you need to go get your life together. You need to go like, give the money back to all the people you've swindled. You need to go set all your servants free. While he's still a tax collector, Jesus says, Matthew, you're good enough for me. You're good enough to start on the journey with me. That's all it takes is saying, yes, I want to be on that journey. In fact, Matthew needed to start following Jesus first so that he could fix all the stuff in his life. There's no point fixing all the stuff in his life. And there's no point you guys trying to fix all the stuff in your life before you start following Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. That's what Jesus is for. And that's why Matthew, when Jesus says, follow me, Matthew gets up and he leaves everything. Because Jesus does not demand that you are perfect before you follow him. He wants you to follow him so that you can become better. So here's what I'm getting at. One thing for you, one thing for your friends. Don't coast through life. Don't coast through your relationship with Jesus wondering if you're good enough. If you jump through the hoops that your parents set, that your teachers set, that honestly, sometimes youth leaders set, pastors set. We, we give you all these boundaries and these things to aim for to try and encourage you. But sometimes I know there's people out there who just feel bogged down in all of it. Like, I just, I can't possibly be good enough to say that I'm a Christian. And that's not Jesus, not how Jesus designed for us to go through life. Jesus called us, it says, calls us, it says in the Bible, while we're still sinners. That is to say, people who make mistakes. And if you, as a sinner, as someone who doesn't meet the standards, if Jesus still died for you and calls you to follow him, who are you to tell yourself that you're not good enough? Jesus has said to every single person in this room, every single person in the world, you are good enough. If you want to follow me, I will work through you and do incredible things. And secondly, once you take that on board, start. Just start moving uphill. Don't worry about getting everything perfect. You find one thing you want to get better at. And you know Jesus loves you no matter what. He wants you on the journey. He's so glad you've, you've got that one thing you want to fix. You find one thing that you want to get better at and you start working on it. And then, most importantly, you find a friend and you say, dude, I just want you on that journey with me. I'm not perfect, but I've got one thing I'm working on, and I'm following Jesus. Do you want to come with me? See, I'm trying. I'm trying to act more like Jesus every day. I'm trying to be a good representative of Jesus. I'm trying to show him to my friends and to you guys what he looks like. And I don't always get it right, but I hope I'm getting a little bit better every day. But most importantly... I believe that while I'm still trying to get better, Jesus can still work through me. Jesus has still called me to follow 
him. I hope that I'm inviting and encouraging people on the journey with him because we're both doing it together. You know, we're all doing this together from a place of not being perfect, but we can all follow Jesus and all get somewhere with him. So look, we're going to keep this conversation going at O-Groups. So don't worry about the how. How am I going to talk to my friends and ask them to come on the journey with me? How am I going to work out what the one thing I'm going to fix in my life is? But here's the most important question I want you to take away and answer this week before you come back to O-Groups with it next Friday. And that question is, who are you going to invite on the journey with you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you accept us and you forgive us while you're still, while we're still sinners. Thank you so much that the stuff we've gotten wrong, the stuff we're getting wrong and the stuff we will get wrong doesn't limit us from you working through us and it doesn't limit your power in our friends' lives. God, thank you so much that you can use us while we're still sinners. Thank you so much that we can invite friends on that journey with us. And Lord, I just pray for every person in this room that someone will be dropped into their heart, God, someone to invite on the journey to go through life with and to just learn to follow Jesus more, to get closer and to do it as a team. Lord, thank you so much for all the blessings you give us in our life. Thank you for all the friends we do have, God. And I just pray that we would all be able to work at getting closer to you, Lord, and just looking more like you and inviting our friends on the journey. In your name, amen.